Hey there, listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to Advancing Humanity. I'm your host, Charlie Peck. Please check out my new website, humanityspeaker.com. I am so excited about this. I have a new course for parents here who are struggling to connect with their teens. There is hope, parents, and this is cutting-edge material that you need to know about. I also have training materials for educators who want to better support their overwhelmed teen students. And I can bring you the unique lens of an educator, therapist, and parent. So don't miss out on this. There'll be free events and downloads, so be sure to check it out. Again, it's humanityspeaker.com. Please also continue to connect with me on social media. I love hearing your stories, and you can follow me on Twitter at Charlie Peck, or you can find me on LinkedIn and join our Facebook group called Advancing Humanity. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, this is Charlie Peck from Advancing Humanity. Today we have Roxanne with us, and she's a registered marriage and family therapist. And there's so much that you're going to bring to the table to us for us today, Roxanne, because we're talking about supporting families with relationships and the inherent need we have in the education system today. So thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Charlie. It's a pleasure to be able to share what I, uh, you know, do often, uh, sometimes through my uh, weeks with families, uh, if that could help out a bit. Absolutely. And what is the need that families are showing up with? Well, I think families have always um, had pressures, uh, you know, at, at trying to get it right with their teenagers, trying to find that balance between I'm going to let go and have the, the, you know, young adult test the world and make decisions. Some parents do better at, than that. Some parents want to kind of cushion the blow too, too much. And then they have other parents that are too much on the other end. But ideally what we need is kind of parents trying to figure out what's the best, you know, hold and let go in order for, uh, you know, teenagers to kind of maneuver the world successfully. Right. And so that is truly the relationship pattern that you have to help them engage better, right? Is that what your focus is? Absolutely. And I think, you know, what happens is, and, you know, it's something that I often see, you know, with teens that I see, and, you know, I don't know about you, but I get parents that say, uh, I'm going to drop off the 15 year old. And, um, you know, I've tried my best. So you make it better. And then I'll pick them up in an hour. And I often have the conversation to say, Oh, well, that's, that's all well and good. I can, I want the teenager to get connected to me. But without you as the parents or the system around the, the a young adult, it's it kind of it's kind of like, um, you know, fixing the car, but knowing that you've kind of left something really, really important out of the repair. Uh, I need for you to be involved. Um, yes, the child, the young adult has to be involved, but you have to reinforce some of the things. And it's a relational element that oftentimes is the what I say is the important thing with with, uh, making changes for the teenager. They need to understand their aptitude or their capacity, but they also need to be able to um, fit that back into their home. And then when they practice at home more, then they're able to kind of go out there in the world and um, hopefully adapt it to different environments that they have to function within. Absolutely. And one of their biggest things they have to adapt to is the school system, being a student. And so if we strengthen families, they'll show up to school better. Is that kind of the idea? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and I think you get that. I'm sure you hear a lot of this with you uh, being a teacher and also having your uh, clinical background is that some parents say, 
they're your responsibility when you go to school. And I've always been of the belief that, you know, it should, the, the anchor should always be at home uh, because that's the, that's the key foundational piece because if that child is able to feel grounded, within their home, then they have that much more capacity to be able to go and maneuver all the stressors like being on time, you know, doing your homework, um, interacting and learning social skills, being able to deal with bullies, uh, being able to, um, you know, negotiate relationships with adults, with teachers, uh, sports teams, you know, chess teams, all those things, that, those are a lot of things uh, that they have to maneuver. And if they're not able to do that, it becomes a little bit of a minefield that they're trying to maneuver day to day. Absolutely. Yeah. And how is that going to show up to school then? Like if, if they're not, if their family really isn't their anchor point, because that doesn't always happen, like we really hope it does. How's that going to show up at school? Well, it could show up in different ways. I think it depends on the person personality of the child. So some, some, you know, kids are extroverted, or maybe they found something, I call it inoculative factors, right, that, you know, maybe they found a sport, so maybe they, they maybe they're really good at music, or, you know, something like that. So they're able to engage and get that connection. I think we're all looking at that stage to connect to a group that makes us feel valuable. And I think of myself, I'll, I'll give an example. I was born in Trinidad, Tobago. I don't know uh, if you knew that, Charlie, but I, um, you know, also as a teen, my parents didn't have the ideal marriage. So, um, but they, you know, there was a lot of stability, but still some uncertainty and I needed a way to connect. And uh, guess what music was it for me? I did this traditional thing and I was part of the steel pan um, uh, band. Um, and I felt connected. I felt like I was valuable, like I was smart in that context and I had connection within that group. So for me, that was one of my primary inoculated factors that helped me maneuver that developmental stage of being a teenager. And I think, you know, sometimes you might get kids that are able to connect because they find something they're like, but what if you have the teen that's maybe more introverted that doesn't have the hockey or um, you know uh, the chess set or something like that. What what if you have someone a kid like that? Uh, then those kids are maybe more likely to be more isolated. And when isolation comes, so many other variables. Because then if I'm isolated, I'm not you know I'm I'm staying away from people. I'm not going to check out. Are my perceptions on here? Because if I'm if I'm connected, I'm going to say. You know, I don't like Mrs. So-and-so. Do you find she's a good teacher? You're going to get, yes, she is, or no, she's not. Or maybe she's good at, she's good at when you intervene in this way. But the introvert is able to disconnect in a way, and I would say oftentimes hide a bit more. Hmm. Yeah, and that's when I see that student showing up sitting by themselves or not speaking out. And I'm just trying to think of what would be the best approach? What should I do then as a teacher or an educator, an adult in the building? What should we do with those kids? Because we don't want to leave them behind. No, and I think, you know, with teenagers especially, because they've got a bit of a, you know, an attitude to like, I'm all good, right? Even though they're not all good, you get that 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 feeling from them. And I think it, what I often say is, um, you know, they oftentimes there's a small little boy or girl in there. I don't know if that's the way that I often try to think of. And you know, oftentimes my teens are bigger than myself. Um, you know, when they come into my office, and I I try to think, what is the need that this young person in front of me is trying to negotiate. And I think of some small things you could do. You know, so initially all I say to them is, 
you know, as a joining technique is, I know you don't want to be here, but you know, guess what? You and I have to put up with each other for a bit because, you know, whether it's mom and dad or whatever, they want some changes. So let's figure out what that change is going to look like. I'm not going to like kind of shove it down your throat, but I know you, I'm sure there's a lot more things that you want to do for this hour than come and see me. And they go, yeah. <laughs> so try to get buy-in in some way. So whether you see a child that's kind of isolated, uh, Charlie, it's just to kind of notice and, and say, hey, it might be as simple as acknowledging them each and every time you see them and to, you know, to get to the space where you, you let them know that you see them in some capacity. Um, and I, that may not be visually, but it's just that, you know, I see that you're over there in the corner. and I just want to let you know that I'm here. I don't know that I can do much, but I'm here. And that consistency builds a bridge of some sort that starts to allow, because as human beings, we all want to connect to others, even though it, teens don't, they don't come across like that. They're, they're, they're too good. They're like, oh, I don't need anybody. But truly, they, we all do. Um, as adults, we all do. But also, as, as younger teens, we're, we're trying to negotiate those connections. And uh, I think just trying something small. And the ones that are disconnected more, they're the ones that need that connection even more. Wow, that's important to think about. Yeah, and those are the ones we typically try just kind of leave behind because it's difficult. It's hard to get in past that wall. What do you do with a teenager? I'm sure you've experienced this. What do you do with a teenager who just can't reach? What's your strategy there? Well, I think it's, you know, depending on the relationship. So if it's from a teacher's perspective, I would say that teacher has sees that adolescent probably every day in, in, in high school. Um, just try to notice little things, you know, like, is it that they wear a certain kind of t-shirt or do they, you know, have, um, do you know that they hang out with a certain crowd and you know, that crowd is into X, Y, Z, um, notice simple little things, because I think we all want to be seen. I, I was just interviewing someone, um, recently and he was a star on, you know, every team. But unfortunately, what he was hiding, and this is the counter side of what we're talking about, is that he excelled at everything, but he was hiding some trauma that he had been through. So I think it's really, I often say, it's, it's about holding the space and trying to figure out, you know, what is it that I can connect, do to connect with that individual, but not to be, be too invasive with them right? So not to be over the top. I think you're sad and you need some, somebody to talk to. They're going to run to the hills, but uh, gently doing that application on a consistent basis of some kind of reach out, um, you know, and what you may find is that with time, that person says, wow, that person, they're there all the time. I wonder if, you know, maybe, maybe I could kind of risk a little bit with them in, in whatever capacity. Well, that's an important word there, risk. And it goes back to what you do. So people listening, Roxanne does a podcast and you focus all on authentic self, being authentic, talking to people about being authentic and what that means. And it matters because it is a huge risk for one of those teenagers to step out outside of their comfort zone because they may have been so dis discouraged or disheartened or let down by other adults in their lives. So Talk about how important authenticity is. Well, I think, you know, the first thing is uh, 
Gabor Mate talks a little bit about how afraid we are to be vulnerable. And the more we're afraid of vulnerability, we suppress our emotions. And when we suppress our emotions, they gotta go somewhere. They're like that, I often use the analogy of the teapot, right? Um, if you don't slowly learn, all of us as human beings, how to let off that steam a bit at a time, eventually you learn to disconnect and relate to the world from an external lens. And when you're doing that from an external lens, what happens is that connection within yourself gets lost. And that's where it's eventually, you know, you're going to have to have that conversation with yourself about, you know, how is it, what is it that I'm cutting off to meet the needs of others? And when we, once we get to that space, Charlie, then that's where we're going to get into more problems. I need to, you know, get involved with this group because, you know, um, you know, they do cool things, but they may dabble in this or, but I'm accepted over there or whatever. But instead of kind of being able to go in within yourself to say, what, who am, who am I and what, what's important to me um, and learning to listen to that. But that being said, when there is uncertainty in different parts of that teenager's life, it's hard, right? Because that safety within themselves is maybe potentially something they've not experienced or haven't experienced or maybe have in, in fleeting ways. Right, and there's such a danger to that. And you and I were just talking about this before we started recording about suicide and teens and the opioid crisis and overdosing. So those are some potential outcomes, right? I mean, is that a, a clear threat to our teens these days? Absolutely, and we see it uh, unfortunately uh, more and more and a lot of cutting and uh, you know, a lot of the teens that I deal with, um, you know, and you won't find out um, as a therapist until you gain trust. So what happens is after a while, you know, and I will see it, you know, they'll come in and maybe they'll, they'll hike up their sleeves a little bit more. At first, everything's covered. There's the, you know, um, you know, the sweatshirts and stuff that go all the way up to the, you know, just up to the chin. And then it, with time, once they start to relax, they start pulling back on their clothing. And then that's the opportunity sometimes. And it's not, it's, it's cutting to feel, Right. So think about that and the element of suppression and, and the space you have to get that I have to actually, you know, you know, scratch myself and experience something to feel somatically connected to my body because I feel so disconnected. And then once they start to talk about it, it you know, they talk a little bit about what I realize is when I when I um, injure myself, I feel again. Right. And then it's about having that conversation. That being said, a lot of people, maybe listeners, are going to freak out and say, oh my God. But it's an attempt to connect. It's not, it's a maladaptive way, but we have to accept it for what it is and say, okay, well, let let's talk about what that does for you. And once you start to have that conversation um, to say, I'm not going to tell you to stop it, but ideally we want them to stop it with time. But then what we want them to do is to be able to get a sense of safety and a plan so that when they do get to those urges, which obviously takes time for them to get to that uh, understanding, then we do uh, you know, a delayed kind of tactic that allows them to stay out of that space of kicking into the, uh, the sympathetic nervous system and that delay. But that there's a lot that has to go on there for them to be able to get get to that spot where they're able to stop, recognize and do something different instead of um, delivering with the actual behavior. There is a lot to that. I mean, 
it's very brain-based. It's very much about internal and external cues and messages we're receiving. What kind of responsibility do you think the school system has to educate like teenagers or staff or parents? What, what do you think? What is your- I, I think it's severely, severely lacking. And I've often thought about this and I um, am not a teacher and I know you are and for any of your teacher uh, audience, I think that it needs to become part of your curriculum. And okay, for teachers that are already out there, like, okay, Roxanne, we can't go back and teach, you know, go back to school, but it has to be part of your ongoing curriculum because uh, you need to understand it for yourself and your space. You need to understand the pressures of teens, but you also understand, need to understand the neuroscience and how it presents when a, when a young um, youngster or young adult is in distress and how will it show itself? Because it shows itself in quite different ways. Like I've had teenagers walk in and they are so poised and articulate. And then when I get to know them further, they're, they're like, you know, little puddles on the inside. So I think it's understanding uh, some of the dynamics and how it might present. And of course, as therapists, we get it. Uh, because we recognize and we've got it kind of understood what's what's some of the stresses around the teen. But I think it, there needs to be education of parents. Um, they need to understand their roles. Like, what is my responsibility as a parent? And that being said, um, you know, there's a lot of pressures in parenting, but maybe I wasn't parented the best. So how do I know? Right. And, you know, we'll hear parents say, well, I turned out OK. All right, then let's discuss what the what what that means. And then uh, ultimately, uh, once you understand all the pressures, what is it that you need to do to connect as a teacher and also as a parent, then, you know, I often say you're, you're creating the life rafts for these young uh, people to maneuver to the space until, you know, what, what is it? They say the prefrontal cortex or the logical part of the brain develops by the age 25 fully. So think about this. There's a lot of crazy behavior be happening between 14 to 25, right? And we're just trying to kind of hold that space for them so that they know that, uh, you know, this is normal, it's natural. And from a neuroscience perspective, the impulsivity that comes with adolescence is normal. But how is it that we create the space and the skills for everybody around them to help them along the way? Right. And that's why it makes so much sense to have schools invest in their parent communities so that we can all work together. And that way we have a common language. I mean, imagine that. I think so many people understand, well, the brain doesn't fully develop until they're about in their mid-20s now. But I don't know that they really understand what that means and what they can do about it. Sometimes you just have to know in order to what to do next, right? So how important is it to have the school community like partner, partner with families. How important is that right now? I think, I think it's necessary. I mean, you know, where, look, schools are like um, huge companies and you have a CEO who happens to be your principal who has one or two co-pilots, which are your vice principals, okay? And you have to look at it as, you know, what is your strategic plan? I'm going to start corporate, but to some degree, it's to be able to uh, run this ship as effectively as possible with all the variables that you have to keep in mind, right? Um, you know, and on a corporate level, you'd look at strengths, weaknesses, and other threats. Why is it any different for a school? Why could they not look at that and look at it from the macro level, which is the high level aerial shot, all the way down to, um, you know, what 
has to happen from the day that child uh, enters the front door, from the beginning of school, by the time that bell rings till they leave. And I think if you look at it from that perspective, then you recognize we all have responsibility as parents, as teachers, as EAs, as you know, learning specialists, um, social workers, everybody, we you all have a role and it's to really kind of work collegially to figure out how is it that we're going to um, you know, work as best as we can with all the pressures and all the stressors to be able to, to, to have a successful student get through high school, for instance, which is um, so very important so that we can pass them on and they, we know at least then they have the skills to be able to maneuver, go to college, you know, go on and to go on to a trade or go on to university, whatever they need, that we're giving them the, the right bag of skills to be able to continue um, along their journey. Wow. That is so important, Roxanne, the skills. Yes. I mean, that seems so basic, but that is what's lacking in, in many of these. And then that that makes these students like not confident. So they're not going to take the necessary risk of even talking to somebody when they need to or trying something new. So it's, it's so valuable. And I'm so grateful that you're a part of this virtual summit that we're doing April 13th. You are one of our live speakers. I just cannot wait for people to access your information further and then they have the opportunity to ask you questions. So can you can you mention something that you might be talking about? Can you give us a little teaser? I think I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit about the space that it takes you into when you get into a conflict with a teen, regardless of your role. I think that's important because I, I have a 19 year old as well. And, you know, it's something that's very humbling because you really have to realize that they become your teachers, right? So how, how is it that I get comfortable with my space about where uh, this young adult is taking me and what is my go-to instinct and where did I learn that? And you know, how is my role, if, it, if it's a teacher or a parent or a principal, how does that get disrupted based on what that teen is presenting to me and what is it that I need to stay present with in order to deliver the connection that's necessary for this young adult. Now, that being said, that's a lot of moving parts, but I think really that it's something that is necessary for us to be able to increase the capacities of these um, uh, teenagers to get through um, you know, this stage and for us to have less uh, detrimental things that are happening with the overdoses and um, you know, suicide attempts and all those things. I think uh, if we can have more of that knowledge, I think we would just equip within everybody out there so that we all feel like we are part of, um, you know, that global community in your school. It doesn't matter who I am, I have responsibility. And if I see a, a student struggling, how is it that I can remember what my role is so that I can and you, you use my capacity to assist? Oh my goodness. I can't wait to hear you myself during the summit and I'm co-hosting it. Um, wow. It's so valuable, Roxanne. I really can't wait to hear what you say about that conflict because we all want to show up for our teens better. and We all want to have that strong relationship with them so that they can just thrive, be the best they can be. Where can people find you in the meantime? In the meantime, uh, you can reach me at uh, RoxanneDurhodge.com. Uh, like Charlie said, I also have uh, a podcast which talks about really a lot of mental health concerns, um, not just in the teenage world, but in different capacities. So you can uh, check me out there as well. That's great. And you have a new program about relationships specifically, don't you? 
Correct. I presently, my first book was based on um, just how to build authentic relationships at home. So I do courses on that uh, monthly, along with live coaching. And I also do, um, I'm just in the process of releasing my new book on uh, leaders and their teams. So if you think about it, principals and their teachers or different environments, and that's about how to authentically lead from your heart to impact others around you so that you can impact more the relationships and everything else takes care of itself. And that is community building. Schools need to build school culture. That's a great, great way to do that. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Okay. So those of you listening, if you're a high school teacher, or if you know a high school teacher, please make sure that you sign up for this virtual summit. You can go to educationvirtualsummit.com. You can get on the wait list there. And right when we release the registration, you'll be the first to know about it. And we also will have a live Facebook going on. Uh, we'll have a Facebook group. You can be a part of that whole community. Our speakers are in there too. Roxanne might jump in there and do a live. You can just interact with her uh, there as well. So please get a part, get, um, get access to that. Get on there, educationvirtualsummit.com. Make sure you check out Roxanne's information too. And her podcast is awesome too. Oh my goodness. So many good things happening. Okay, Roxanne, we're going to wrap this up and I will see you at the summit. Thank you. Awesome. Looking forward to it. There you have it for Advancing Humanity. This is Charlie Pack, your host, and thank you so much for listening. Please rate this podcast. Also, check out my new website, humanityspeaker.com. I am so excited about this. I have a brand new course called Taming Teen Conflict for parents of teenagers who want to have more peace in their home and who want to reconnect with their teen. There are also brand new training opportunities for high school educators there too. It's nothing like you've experienced before. So go to humanityspeaker.com to get some free materials and to check out those resources. Connect with me on social media as well. I'm on Twitter at Charlie Pecked and you can find me on LinkedIn. And we'd love for you to join our Facebook group called Advancing Humanity. Thanks so much for being here.